Today's episode of the Sports Talk Garage podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing you with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get paid when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. Now, let's get the episode started. Welcome to the Sports Talk Garage podcast, where we discuss and debate the latest news and hot takes from the court in the ball fields to the locker room and front office. We are four lifelong friends who grew up with a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs as we give you our perspective on those oversized contracts, game-winning scores, and franchise players. This is the Sports Talk Garage. Welcome into Season 3, Episode 8 of the Sports Talk Garage Podcast. This is David, along with my co-host, Mike. Yet again, Matt and John are out. We are going to have to take a look at their contracts, see how much they're getting paid, how many vacation sick days they're allotted, because I feel like they're <laughs> a little bit over now. we have to cut that in half and maybe give ourselves a little bump in increase in pay, yeah. sick days or something, take some from them. I don't know. We're going to have to take a look at that, but... No, they're both out for good reasons, but we're going to keep on moving tonight. Um, Mike, how are things? Not too bad, David. Not too bad at all. Good how to are you hear. Doing? Yeah, wonderful. It's a, it's been an easy start to the week. Very happy to hear that. Um, got some good stuff tonight. We got some contract talk, um, college football, even know some money. Everything's always about money in sports, it seems like. so. It is. Yeah, so let's start at Green Flag. Uh, kind of get going with the NFL. And yesterday... Seems like, well, this has been the season of injuries, which is very unfortunate for a lot of athletes. And yesterday did not disappoint in that sense. Um, a star quarterback, Dak Prescott, had a pretty severe injury. And if you were squeamish, I would not recommend watching it because yeah. his ankle was complete sideways and his foot was facing out to the right while his leg was still facing out you know, straight. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to happen. Pretty devastating injury. Obviously, his season is over. I've heard he had a successful surgery. But a lot of people have already talked about his value going forward, his money, how much he has, franchise tag versus long-term contract. And a lot of people are second-guessing, saying, well, he should have signed that long-term contract. At the same time, he took the franchise tag to bet on himself, obviously with that risk of injury. Right. Is there a right or wrong answer here? Is there a way that somebody should always opt for in this sense? I I don't think there's a I don't think there's ever going to be a this is always the right choice because it's a case by case person by person, you know, each situation is different. Um, and I, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So, mm-hmm. you know, the people that, that want to say, Oh, he, he should have taken the long-term contract instead of signing the franchise tag to be a free agent next year. Yeah. Obviously you can say that now, but I mean, last week Dak was leading the world in pretty much all the passing mm-hmm. categories and even though his team wasn't winning individually, he was putting up numbers that were going to get him paid some serious money. Yes. So, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's the risk that you take football. We all know it's a dangerous game. There are injuries, like you said, every week, especially this year, more, more so than normal. But I, if I were in his shoes last off season, I think I probably would have made the same decision he did because 
he didn't know at the time. I don't think he knew that COVID was going to do what it was going to do and how this whole yeah. season was going to be just completely flipped upside down. And looking at the situation before that, the NFL going into a new TV contract, there's an expectation that salary caps going to increase individual salaries, therefore will increase. And he was going to be in a real good position. Mm-hmm. So looking ahead from where he's at now, I, I mean, I don't really know what the right answer is for him uh, or for the Cowboys. I don't know what is going to come of this. I, I I think there's a decent chance that he ends up signing a franchise tag again for next year, but I also could see Dallas letting him become a free agent and see what happens. Yeah. And the contract he was initially offered while it's not up to what he was asking for, it was still reportedly around five years, 175 million a year, which is nothing to laugh at. That's a huge chunk of money that I think most NFL athletes would be very happy to go in and sign on the dotted line as soon as they could. But when you play that position, that's, that's the high profile position in the league where you're going to get the biggest contracts, the most, generally the most guaranteed money. And he wanted about four years, 180 million. So he was offered about 35 million a year. He was asking for 45 million. That's a huge difference. Yes. I think myself just being a little more conservative, I probably would have taken that being like, if I can get 135 million or 175 million with incentives and probably a hundred million guaranteed, I would have been fine with that and just wait five years, get the next big contract. But it totally makes sense, you know, with TV deals expecting to escalate, why not take that season? You know, he was doing everything right. As you said, he had all the statistics leading the league and every quarterback category that really matters. And he was putting himself in line to get that from Dallas next year. And I think Dallas would have paid him because they said, hey, you were number one all season. We've seen what Deshaun Watson did. We saw what Patrick Mahomes did. So we're going to get you at least around in that number. Yeah. So I feel bad for him. Just take the contract out. I feel bad for him because the season's done. And that was a pretty devastating injury. But at the same time, a lot of people in the NFL and other sports have come back from pretty bad foot or ankle injuries, had very successful careers. So I kind of agree with you here. I think Dallas will offer him a franchise tag. I don't know if he'll sign that though. Yeah, I, but I, I could I could see I could see the argument again from both sides because I think there's gonna be a lot of teams that would that would want him next year, even mm-hmm. even knowing how bad the injury was and knowing that he may not be a hundred percent by week one next year or even by week four or five. It may take a little bit of extra time and he might not be his full self next year. But the potential is there for him to be a franchise quarterback, to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And you know there those don't come around all the time. No. There there's there's thirty-two guys every week that start at quarterback. There are not thirty-two guys that could win a Super Bowl. There there's there's a small amount of people that are out there that can be Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, that could can lead a team the way that he can. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a lot of them that are going to be looking next year. And if Dallas tries to either be cheap or be hesitant and not do a franchise tag and let him be a free agent, somebody might give him that money that he wanted last year in this, this off season. So, yeah. and if that happens, I don't think- then, then it's hard to really question any of his decisions because he's going to end up making the money anyway. So he is. And I don't think he's at the point where he's so loyal to Dallas. He's going to come back no matter what. Right especially after this offseason. I think if somebody offers him that big deal, he's like, well, 
I gave you a chance, Dallas, and he didn't take it, so I'm moving on. Yeah. And he has the tools. Thankfully, he's still young in his career. There's time for him to bounce back. It's not like a guy who's, you know, in his mid-30s going through this injury that could be career. And yeah. He still has a bright career ahead of him. True. So, especially with Andy Dalton. If Andy Dalton comes back, plays well this season, they might stick with him at a cheaper rate. That's, that's a good possibility. So, a lot could depend both on his rehab, but also, you know, how the Red Rifle fares in <laughs> Dallas this year. So let's move on to the general other quarterback award, which hopefully will not always be uh, going to the college, the Heisman. It's always one of those talked about awards. It's one of the greater individual awards in sports that people strive for. You know, it's a very elite group of people. Only one person gets it a year. And before the season started, I think most people would say Trevor Lawrence was probably the favorite going into the season to win this award. It might be his to lose. And, Maybe by virtue of being fewer games, he has more national exposure, better opponents, cause some people are sitting out, which probably helps him. But let's take him out of the conversation. Are there some other people that you would put in as maybe a candidate or maybe a dark horse candidate to take that crown away from him? Oh, that's a, uh, it's a tough question. This is, uh, it's such a weird year and it's, it's so hard to compare. Um, because I'm I, uh, right now I'm looking at at, uh, at FanDuel's odds to win the Heisman Trophy, and behind mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, the the second best favorite is Justin Fields from Ohio State, who has yet to take the field. <laughs> and the, yeah. you know, there's so it's two weeks. <laughs> there's so much uncertainty about these the Big Ten teams, the Pac-12 teams, all these teams that haven't haven't even played yet. Um, and I, I don't know. It's going to be such a weird thing with virtually nobody playing non-conference games all year so does that who does that benefit is that going to be harder for potentially sec quarterbacks that have to face potentially better defenses week in and week out than Mm -hmm. than maybe trevor lawrence playing the acc or or anybody playing out west you know i i don't know i i think just from the few games that we've had so far and, and the few of those games that I've actually seen, I've been very impressed uh, with two of the quarterbacks from down here in Florida, Kyle Trask at the University of Florida and De'Aaron King at Miami. Okay. They, they've both played very well. Um, they both had opportunities on Saturday to really kind of stake a claim with a signature win, and they both failed. Um, Trask played very well I think King played pretty well against Clemson but Miami was never in that game and and all that really served to show is that Trevor Lawrence and his team are just head and shoulders above pretty much everybody that's playing right now Um, and so I don't really I don't know how close King is in this argument or Trask for that matter Um, honestly watching a little bit of that Clemson game Travis Etienne, the the running back, mm-hmm. he's got to get some consideration because that dude is nasty. Good. <laughs> I mean, you, you get him the ball and you you give him five yards to get going, and once he gets up to speed, good luck. I mean, that guy that guy runs like an NFL running back. So, I mean, I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You know, Justin Fields, obviously, very talented quarterback see what he can do when he gets back on the field um, fairly soon. But I, I, I think 
when when you brought this up and, and said kind of to take Trevor Lawrence out of it, I think that that says pretty much everything right there that unless Lawrence struggles and has a bad game and Clemson loses, I think it's going to be real hard for anybody to unseat him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And this really feels like it's a statistical award more so than level of competition. Yeah. And the ACC just by virtue of starting earlier than other conferences have more games under their belt. So there's more film on them. And SEC has been playing for two weeks. Big 10 doesn't even start for another week or two. So even though there's guys in those conferences who could be contenders, we have nothing on film other than just what they've done in the past, what we expect them to do moving yeah. forward. Um, yeah. I, I really think, like you said, if Trevor keeps doing what he's doing, doesn't falter, doesn't lose to a team they're not supposed to, it's his to lose. But one thing that's harming uh, Travis Etienne is just being on the same that's team true. with him. And they're a great one-two punch just on offense in general. But if he were on any other ACC team, I think it would be a much closer race between the two of them. But I feel like just because Trevor's on there, he kind of takes the spotlight away from Travis Etienne, and he's a phenomenal running back. I think he'll have a great NFL career whenever he goes. Yeah, it, I feel bad for him. And I would love to see somebody who's not a quarterback at this award. It feels like every year we're always talking Pretty about quarterbacks. Much. And most of the time, that's who gets this award. So we should just rename it Best QB Award. But I would love to see someone else. And, yeah, Kyle Trask is having a good season, but he didn't get that signature win. And I think that would have vaulted yeah. him you know, more into the conversation than kind of like that level one and then – you know, that mm-hmm. next level below, there's nobody else on that same level with him right now. Um, now, I, I, I do want I do want to say before we before we move on, I think going when we, if we look ahead to the end of the season, I think there there might be an argument that it may benefit fields and the other Big Ten players that might be in this in this conversation that they are potentially going to have more uh, TV time later in the year closer to when yeah. the voting's going to happen that that if he can if he can really show out in December because they're going to get to play multiple games in December um and mm-hmm. and get a chance to win that Big 10 championship on like the 19th or whenever it is you know that could really kind of potentially vault him up at least into the conversation and then you've got the possibility. I, I know I, I agree with you that, that Etienne is, is not going to get as much consideration as Lawrence barring some massive change, but there is at least the possibility that Lawrence and Etienne might split some of the votes from the voters in that area. You know, I remember back when I was a kid, there was a year um, where Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner both had phenomenal years, mm. but they kind of split the vote mm-hmm. among the writers from the West Coast. Justin Fields might be the lone candidate, if you will, from the Midwest. And if he collects all of those votes, he might pull out a surprise. Sure. And yeah, that's that's a great point. I didn't even think about by playing later, it's going to be fresh in the minds. Whereas when the ACC is done, it'll be a couple weeks. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, if that yeah. applies here. And Justin Fields still playing, still on TV. And the writers were like, yeah, well, he did this. But look at this guy right now. I just saw on TV yesterday. He's mm-hmm. going to be on my ballot. And plus, I mean, Ohio State is in the Big Ten. And they're going to have a good schedule. They're playing some tough teams. 
And if he can put up good numbers against these tough teams instead of playing, you know, an FCS game or a team from a G5 conference, that's going to mm-hmm. look really good. So I would not mind seeing, well, it's still a quarterback. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing someone beside Trevor Lawrence win just because I want an underdog to win right. this. And it seems like there's no underdog who's in the conversation yet. So something for us to keep an eye on as we get farther into the season when all the teams are still on the field or actually getting to the field at that point. I like it. All right. Well, let's take a quick break uh, for our sponsors and we'll be back with everybody in just a moment. How many times while you have been manscaping, have you nicked or nearly trimmed off your wiener schnitzel in the twins? Hey, I'm Christy, and with 30 years' experience teaching men how to thin out their forest in their yonder region, I am so excited to tell you about this revolutionary Lawn Mower 3.0. The ceramic blades prevent the manscaping accidents that leave you unable to use your most favorite appendage. Oh, and gentlemen, it also keeps a 90-minute charge. For those of you that haven't trimmed in quite a while, you'll need every second of that 90 minutes. Let's be real, though. No one, especially your significant other, wants to have to weed through your overgrown forest to find their favorite play toy. So order now at manscaped.com and enter the promo code PODCAST20 and receive 20% off plus free shipping. Serious, Bushy Man. Order now. Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 8 of the Sports Talk Garage Podcast. We are going to switch gears a little bit from football, get a little basketball going uh, NBA season just ended. Congrats to the LA Lakers for their 17th championship. I know there's a lot of storylines that will be written in the next few days about LeBron and all the you know, wonderful narratives that are come from that. But one thing that I cannot stand is reporters asking a guy as soon as he wins a championship about next year. What are your thoughts on next year? Are you coming back? <laughs> what does it look like? Like, Just let the guys celebrate what? and enjoy yeah. the moment. Let's not look at next year for at least like a week. But as Someone expected a reporter asked Anthony Davis, Hey, so what about next year? You could be a free agent. Are you staying around? And I think he was caught a little off guard with that. Does LA repeating kind of depend on Anthony Davis coming back? And if so, does he come back or does he move on to a new team? I think just after watching the finals this year, I think, yeah. If, if L.A. wants to repeat, I think they're going to need him back. Um, he's a unique player with a unique skill set. And his talent, you, you can't replace that, at least not with one player. Um, and if they, if they plan on repeating next year, he's going to need to be a part of the plan. Um, I mean, the guy, he was sixth in MVP voting. He was seven, second in defensive player of the year voting. He he's very, very difficult to handle for any team. Mm -hmm. And when you combine him with LeBron James, they almost seem to have the ability to kind of win games by themselves. It doesn't really matter. The other three guys that are out there, it seems for the Lakers when LeBron and AD are in the game, they're, they're virtually unstoppable. Um, So whether he decides to come back or not, that's a good question. Um, looking at just the cold, hard numbers in terms of the salary, um, I think, I think there's a decent chance that he decides to, uh, he's got the player option for 28 and three quarter million. And given 
the fact that there's there's a lot of questions right now, and that's again part of why it's unfair to ask in this right now. We don't even really know what the salary cap's going to be next year, so there's no way to know what the maximum he could get from another team is going to be until we set that. But given the the loss of revenue from this season because of the the not having fans and shortened season and everything, and the potential for the same situation next year, the salary cap may not go up at all. And it, it frankly could potentially be lowered. So for him, it might make more sense to just take this option at 28.75, knowing that he may not get a whole lot more than that from anybody else. And then knowing that in the following off season, he's then going to be eligible for the 35% max contract instead of 30, like he, he can get now and hoping that, the health situation's back to normal. The money situation for the NBA then would be back to normal and the salary cap can go up again. He'd be in line for, you know, a four or five year max contract to really maximize his value. So if, if, if I'm betting on it right now, which I think is a stupid thing to do, I would bet (laughs) that he would opt in and stay one more year, try to win another championship with LeBron and then maybe part ways Maybe not. Depends on what the market says. Okay. So I'll, I'll agree on that very first thing you said. I think the Lakers do need him back if they want to make a chance or have a chance at a repeat. Just watching this, it really was the LeBron and Davis show and the other guys on the floor filled it out. They contributed, but it really was the two of them taking this team to the finals for their 17th, the franchise's 17th championship. And I think Anthony Davis loved it. He enjoyed getting to the top of the mountain. It's definitely difficult to get back there again, but getting there was fun. I think there's three things that really come into his decision to stay. One, money, which you talked about, the contract and potential for the salary cap to either be stagnant or even drop a little bit, just depending on what revenue is going to look like. Uh, Second, a chance to win. What situation, whether it be teammates, culture, the coaching staff, et cetera, put him in the best position to win another championship. And also this is important for, you know, athletes location. Where do you want to live? He's in LA, which I would say is probably the biggest city in terms of access for endorsements, commercials, movies, maybe outside of New York for the endorsements. So if he's interested in that, he's in the right spot for it. Mm-hmm. San Francisco's not far away. If he wants to start investing in the tech industry, which seems like a lot of guys have been doing recently, he has access to a lot of people there as well. The only place I could see him leaving this offseason would be for Chicago. I don't think Chicago has the cap space to bring him in at the moment unless they get rid of a lot of guys, but that's going to take away that chance to win because I think he wants to get back there and not go to a team to rebuild to get there in four or five or six years. Yeah. Home is tough to call, or when it's calling, it's tough to turn down. But I see he think he's going to do a two-year contract, pull LeBron, two-year contract with an opt-out for the second year. It's going to give him a, possibly a little more money than just opting into that $28 million he has coming this year. I mean, LeBron's done a lot of other guys have done it. They've been yeah, very successful true. with it. And then LeBron only has two years left on his contract. So... And I looked at the contracts of the entire team, and there's only two guys on the current roster who are signed through 2022. So I think that's going to be a great point for him to hop off and go to Chicago then. But yeah, he's coming back. I think there's just so much going against trying to leave this year with the pandemic. 
salary cap and then just not just salary cap in general, but other teams and their situations with players. So Giannis and Anthony Davis possibly free agents at the same time. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, well, and I'm sure every team's going to be loading up with at least a realistic chance of persuading one of them to come. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I hope I hope he stays for him. I like him as a Laker. I think he's fun. But one thing that's really going to drive the Lakers to keep them is they have 17 championships, and the Boston Celtics have 17 championships. One team wants to get to 18 to be above the other. Yep. To get that storied story and write another chapter in it. So bring him back at 18 and say, we are the best in NBA because we have more championships than any other franchise. So he's going to stay, sign a two-for-one deal, and then he's going to leave for Chicago after one year. All right. That's what we're going to. All right. Well, we'll, we'll revisit that. that in a year and, and see if you're right. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's probably zero chance of me being right, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> hey, you now. never know. So, like living in Hollywood and you can get endorsements for things. Um, athletes, great endorsers. I feel like every time you turn on the radio, see a commercial, listen to anything, really, there's an athlete endorsing some product or service by a company that you've heard of, like Coke, McDonald's, Sprite, or some new startup that's in the tech industry, the health industry, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And for years, it's been a very basic, hey, we'll give you this cash, we'll give you $500,000 endorses for a year or whatever number it is. But lately, instead of that, guys are going with equity stakes. Do you like that? Do you see that as a trend that's going to continue? Should guys just take the cash and move on? Oh, honestly, I I, I kind of like it. I I, I think... I think it's it's a unique idea that that seems to be catching on, and I think the 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 reason for it is there's there's more potential. You know, you sign okay. you sign an endorsement deal, and and it's for a dollar figure. That's what you're going to get, no matter what. But when you get equity in the company, depending on what happens, you could end up making a lot of money out of it, um, a lot more than they would be willing to pay you up front. Um, I think the, the prime example of that, the first real time that this became a thing was David Wright back with vitamin water, um, about 14, 15 years ago that he got a half percent stake. And then a few years down the line, Coca-Cola bought vitamin water and that stake was worth like 30 million bucks. So there's no way he could have gotten a $30 million endorsement from vitamin water in 2006. So that that was one of those, it's a gamble and it pays off. Obviously, you know, there's a risk and the company could go belly up and you end up basically with equity in nothing. But I think the other side of it is to me as a consumer, when I see an athlete that accepts equity in lieu of cash for a company, it may not be true, but to me, it gives me the impression that they believe in the company. They see that that company has a good future, the product that they are selling me, they believe in as a good product, a quality product. And it makes it a little bit easier for me to believe it rather than knowing you're getting paid, you know, $50,000 to stand in front of the camera and say, drink Pepsi. It's (laughs) you getting paid potentially $0 in some cases, but getting equity in the company and then saying, hey, I'm telling you, this is this is good water. This is good drink. This is good home security. Whatever it happens to be, it makes it feel a little more genuine. And maybe I'm getting duped by some of them. I probably am. 
But, you know, when I see, to me, a, a prime example is Shaquille O'Neal, because he's always said that he never endorses anything that he doesn't really believe in. And I like that. he's endorsed quite a few companies, and he's a lot of times ended up getting stock in the company. Um, I know uh, Ring, Ring Doorbells was one of them, um, mm-hmm. and I think Papa John's now he's become an investor in. Quite an investor. And when, when he talks about him, you know, whether it be on TV or the TV show he had over the summer on TNT, he talks, talks about really caring about it and wanting to pick out products that he really likes, that he thinks are worthwhile, and then telling people why he thinks they're worthwhile. So, you know, I think these athletes that are doing this, they, they, they're at least having the potential to make a lot more money out of it, but I think they're also doing things with a little bit more thought rather than just pay me some money and I'll say what you want, you know? Yeah. And it does seem like there are those athletes who are saying, Hey, there's an endorsement deal. I'll take it. I don't care what the product is. As long as the check hits my bank account, I'm good. But as you said, when these guys are taking that equity stake, yeah, they probably believe in it a little bit more, but also they're going to work a little harder for the company Mm -hmm. to grow because that means their pocketbook's getting a little bit bigger and it's benefiting them when the company does well. Seems like there's a lot of startups in the past few years who are getting athlete endorsers, probably hoping that maybe they're going to be the next unicorn that goes to that big IPO on the stock market or gets that buyout from some major conglomerate that's going to take them and everybody leaves, you know, multimillionaires and everybody's happy. But one way that I believe is making it easier is salaries are getting bigger for athletes. So they're not maybe as dependent on an endorsement deal. They can afford to go with the company. And if it doesn't work out, their name's associated no matter what with that company. Mm -hmm. So it might not work, but if so, yeah, you're kind of like the vitamin water. You're not going to get $30 million up front, but if you do get that buyout down the road, it's going to really pay off. Um, I like it. And there's companies with, especially in the tech space, it feels like this is becoming more popular. Uh, Even among the Golden State Warriors having access to it since they've lived there. There's a lot of guys who are there. Kevin Durant's another guy who is very big on his 35 ventures and all the areas that he has his fingers in off the court. A lot of athletes in body armor and hyper ice. So, you know, it's, it's a good deal. I think it's smart. I think it's going to become more popular for the superstars for the, in any sport for the guys who are coming off the bench, the second string guys, the guys who are on the rotation, but don't get a lot Mm -hmm. of playing time. I don't know because, they're, one, they're not as popular, but, two, they might want that endorsement deal and the cash up front call to help secure because they might only stay in their league for two, three, four years, and their career is over. True. But for the people who stay in for a long time, a very successful careers are the names that everybody knows in every corner of the United States. I feel like those are going to be the athletes, both men and women, who hop on this bandwagon for endorsements, for equity. I think companies are certainly willing to it because social media – I mean, these athletes have millions of followers. It's a great outlet to get your product out there. You don't have to do much. You just depend on popular people to expose mm-hmm. you. So I like it. So I think it's going to continue. It's going to become more equity endorsements. Uh, guys will probably end up making more money off the court than they do on the court in some cases. Yeah. Good for them. I like it. So I feel like it's a wave of the future. I wouldn't mind if there's anybody out there. If you want us to endorse your product. Yeah. Just <laughs> Just kidding. So uh, let's throw out the uh, checkered flag 
go ahead and wrap things up for the evening. Any final thoughts for tonight? Uh, well, I, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the name Mike Brasso. Um, okay. Saturday, Saturday night or Friday night, excuse me. Uh, when he hit that home run off of Chapman, as, as a Tampa Bay fan, and really, I think I think it's fair to say for anybody that's not a New York Yankee fan, that was <laughs> just a fantastic moment in sports. Um, especially the backstory, you know, with Chapman having thrown a fastball over his head that led to a, a little bench clearing tiff during the regular season. I mean, what are the odds that? Mike Brasso, a dude who wasn't even drafted and worked his way up to the major leagues, would be the same guy who gets thrown at and then a month and a half later gets to hit what turned out to be a series clinching home run off the same guy. That was it was this the kind of thing when people say that sports in real life is better than any movie. Like you cannot make this stuff up. It is. And mm-hmm. it was it was phenomenal. So I, I know he was a class guy after the game said it, that it had nothing. He wasn't thinking about what had happened during the regular season. He put that in the past and he was just happy for the team to win. He said all the right things, but for us as fans, that was just the sweetest revenge that you could ever get. So that, that was the highlight of my week for last week. Um, Thrilled to see the Rays still alive in the postseason um i i will admit that i grew up before the rays became a team and so when i was a kid (laughs) the atlanta braves were the team that i rooted for uh they were the closest thing we had to florida um and the (laughs) fact that there's at least an outside chance to see atlanta and tampa in the world series that would be a literal dream come true for me so gonna gonna be watching plenty of baseball this week and Fingers crossed, Tampa, Atlanta in the World Series next week. Well, I mean, the Rays are up 2 over the cheating Astros, <laughs> which I will feel like I'll yes. always refer to as the cheating Astros now. So game three is Tuesday at 8.40 p.m., so that'll be good. And then the Braves and Dodgers, feels like every year the Dodgers are at least being talked about as yep. a World Series favorite. They can never pull it off, but every year because of their payroll, because of the guys on their team, it's like, oh, yeah, Dodgers came back to the World Series, but – yeah, growing up in Charlotte, the Braves were yeah, also the Braves team for me. So I grew up a Braves fan. So I would also like to see them do well and make it back to the World Series. I think it would be really good. So maybe we can have a little yeah, that'd be competition fun. there. Braves and Rays, yeah. if they make it, that would. Um, for me, my Panthers actually won on Sunday. They have not won against the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta since 2014. Nice. No matter – how horrible the Falcons are and how good the Panthers are. They always find a way to lose in Atlanta for whatever reason until yesterday. And that streak snapped. Unfortunately, it did cost yeah. you guys your job for the yeah. Falcons, but I think that yeah, was long was. overdue. And this was supposed to be the year that the Panthers were doing horrible. Everything went wrong and we're three and two. Yeah. It's 2020. So expectations are out of the window. So I'll take it. I'll go with the winning season. Um, if the playoffs started today, we'd be just outside that window. So we're almost at a wild card spot. So I'm happy. Yeah, I'll be watching some baseball this week as well. Uh, 
shoot, we got football Monday night. We even have football on Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't end. It's, it's, it's weird seeing time. these football games on, on random days, but I, for TV for TV viewership, yeah. it's probably great. I, I don't know what the numbers were for, oh, for last Monday's, you know, unscheduled doubleheader for Monday Night Football, but I'll bet they were pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they most likely beat out the NBA. And honestly, okay. like, this is one of those you didn't nobody planned this and nobody that's not part of some evil conspiracy by by the tv executives <laughs> but i can promise you that there are executives sitting in their boardrooms talking to each other saying why don't we do more of this like let let's yeah. if we put an nfl game on monday night people watch it it, it, it happens every year we know this if we put two mm-hmm. games on monday night guess what? People are going to watch both of them. And if we put games on Tuesday night, people are going to watch. People are going to watch them. If you just reduce the number of games on Sundays, because there's a limit as to to how many people can watch those just because of geography and and overlapping games. If we we just cut those down Mm -hmm. and start playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and sell it to the players as, you know, if you play Tuesday – and then you don't have to play till the following Sunday. That's like a week and a half off. So it's really almost like an extra bye week. Okay. You know, it, it so might I, catch on. And the NFL is innovative. It wouldn't be surprising if that sprung yeah. up in the next CBA contract talk. So, hey, as weird as it is, I'd totally go for it. I mean, I, I, I like it. I do too. I, I, I think it's, it's weird and, and it's definitely not. Nor the way football has always been, so you know that there's going to be some purists that are upset about it. But the more mm-hmm. games that we have access to watch without having to pay for Sunday ticket, the better, I think. I'm with you there. I like it. So, well, this is for everybody. Um, make sure you check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garage Pod. Uh, check out our nifty website. See, it's been pretty about us, what we do, all of our past episodes www.sportstalkgarage.com and if you have any feedback you want to leave send us an email feedback at sportstalkgarage.com uh so that was fun tonight um we look forward to seeing everybody back hopefully we'll be back at full strength next week and for mike we are signing off thank you for listening to today's podcast if you'd like to have your sports-related question or comment featured on the show, please email us at sportstalkgarage at gmail.com. Also, if you want to keep up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us on Twitter at sportsgaragepod. If you enjoy the show, please drop us a five-star review and subscribe if you want to hear more. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John, and we are the Sports Talk Garage.